And this is Neighboring, a series of interviews where we ask our friends really this question about what does it mean to be a good neighbor? We're uh, trying to figure out and ask friends from different contexts and different backgrounds uh, this concept. Uh, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? What does it mean to, to have neighborhoods? Uh, and think beyond neighborhood and just the traditional geographic uh, set of places that people live. But are there other areas in the community, uh, whether it's uh, a business, a workplace, a coffee shop, or any subcultures of the community, and uh, asking individuals that are working and living and attempting to be a good neighbor in those spaces uh, what they think about this kind of concept of what it means to be a neighbor. And today we're here with Jared Tobias uh, with Tobias Studios. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, glad to be here. So Jared, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us uh, about your work and uh, kind of the space that you kind of live in most days. Uh, my name is Jared Tobias. Uh, I'm born and raised in this community. My wife Kara and I uh, moved back here after college and began raising our family and <clears throat> several years ago we started our own small business running an art studio out of our garage and we have a one acre homestead with some chickens and a little gardening and um, just kind of decided we wanted to refocus our attention on putting our time into work that we believed in beyond just getting a paycheck. We had she had done nursing and I worked as a delivery man for over a decade and we had a living wage but it wasn't the most fulfilling work and we felt like we had more to offer the world and ourselves than working to just make money. So we began pursuing public artwork and working on homesteading at the same time and building up our business until we got to the point where we can just have part-time jobs and focus on our business full-time now mostly through the large mural projects that we're doing uh, downtown with Arts United and Fort Wayne Free Art Collective, City of Fort Wayne, and now with the state of Indiana. So tell us how, I'm really curious, tell me how you got, got really started. Like where did the inspiration to become public artist? Like you mentioned, you've been doing these, these really large scale murals. And, and in a city like Fort Wayne that's very conservative, in the last few years, we're really trying to progress into becoming a, a bigger, a bigger city. Um, and this is really kind of is fairly new, at least in the last five, 10 years, about really seeing public artists be empowered to create um, large scale murals. So I'm curious, like, what, how'd you get involved in, in doing that? And, and why did you get involved doing that? I, it seems like it's new to Fort Wayne, but it's certain, certainly not new globally or in terms of art history. We can go back to the Renaissance and the frescoes and throughout every major social movement throughout history and the visual propaganda that is used as a catalyst for social change. And the desire to create public work kind of developed alongside the notion of art as an agent for social change. After I graduated college and moved back home and I had a full-time job and I was kind of a weekend warrior making paintings here and there and having small gallery shows, it never produced any sort of sustainable income and I was just frustrated with it. So I started doing some um, wheat pastes, which are like temporary throw-ups on buildings where you just paste an image to a okay. building and it comes down after a few rains. But that attracted some attention and generated a little bit of energy that gave people the comfort level to give me the green light to start painting on buildings. And I started doing some pieces on Wunderkammer on Fairfield. 
and got a little more experience with going large and working outdoors on rough surfaces and kind of foraging for a variety of materials and mastering my process and you know sometimes the sometimes the process dictates the design and I've, I've found that my design process has changed dramatically when considering public work not only the content but also the process of production whereas I maybe used to when I was younger uh, feel a little more emboldened to marginalize my own point of view into more radical terms whereas now I'm more focused on sending a message that can relate to everyone and trying to diminish the marginalizing of something that is different and trying to shine a light on the need for people to reconcile their differences in perceptions in order to move forward and it's kind of a lofty idea to place on top of a mural project but through the experience of doing these we found that it just has this magical quality that makes people feel good and when you provide that it kind of breaks down a lot of the barriers and they're more willing to come up and share their story with you and they're curious about your process who you are where you come from and in a matter of minutes you can feel like you've become friends with someone just because you're there painting a mural yeah so with with public art along those lines and really what i'm what i was really interested about your work and in this idea like it seems like if we look at at a neighborhood context and and i'm hoping you'll share some more about this but in the idea of like there's an art community which could be its own neighborhood in a way uh, but what's really intriguing for me is in this idea that public art, like it's, it's happening in a place, like in a neighborhood or on the edge of a neighborhood. Uh, Somebody has invited you into that project. So it's, it's a group of people that have you know, given up a part of their asset. Like for a big, small business owner, I would imagine like this is their building. This is the thing that they have paid the most for, that they protect the most and or try to express themselves the most. So that plays a plays a part in this physical presence. So how does art um, and specifically these mural projects kind of how do you see the work that you do play into the neighborhood development side of things? Like help us understand it's, it's a more reflection of, the of it's a reflection of the relationships that develop with each project. You have a business owner and a property owner who are mindful of brand and the message that's being sent and property value. And there has to be some level of trust with this creative individual that they have your best intentions in mind and that you're going to do the best job you can do to the best of your abilities eventually they have to let go of that fear yeah. that i'm not going to just you know paint hot dogs all over the place or something but i have the benefit of having a body of work now that is like a business card that's out there all day long so it's a tremendous benefit to have something to hang your hat on whereas 10 years ago i was trying to, to convince people that we should be doing this in our town and after a few people do some nice pieces and people have a positive experience, you can see it's just exploded. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, and we've talked before, but what? talk to me about the role of like public art and like the mural and like beyond, beyond creating the artwork and having a message in that, you, you really talk about this place, like the public art as the installation as being a, being a place where people can come and start to have conversations. Talk to us about... Uh, the history or your understanding of that or like what could we really learn about like like you mentioned some people will come and show up and start talking to you and you get a great point of conversation but there's there's this desire to have other people connect there too right a common 
concern is why are we investing thousands of dollars into public art when we are still deficient in some basic human needs yeah. in our community mm -hmm. or our culture? That argument can be made for a lot of spending. But what happens in my experience with public art is that you jar people from their patterns and their rhythms in their daily life, particularly in a public space where you can kind of maybe move through a neighborhood and not even really pay attention to anything. Whereas if you encounter a 300 or 200 foot mural with these dazzling bright colors and this sort of enigmatic narrative, it, it stops you in your tracks and it kind of calls to attention your agency as a human being. Like, here I am, I am here, what is this? What does this mean? What does this mean to me? And it sets the platform for people to kind of reconcile their own perceptions and then to share them with others, which is a perfect metaphor for basic problem solving for social issues. The question, how do we reconcile our different perceptions in order to move forward as a culture? Mm -hmm. Our differences as individuals don't need to prevent us from growing together. It's counterintuitive to be involved in public art and placemaking and not engage in social issues. It's not just fluff and aesthetics, you know, trying to make things look pretty to make people feel good. It's a tool for investigating, like, what is at the heart of, of these contemporary issues. Yeah. A safe space is, what, is a simple place. I call it a safe space. Sure. You talked about this term, placemaking. What is, what is placemaking to you and in your context? It's the a word that gets thrown around right a lot. Yeah, it's kind of cheap now, and it doesn't really, mm. people just, you know, anytime they want to do something fun, they kind of lump it into that. Okay. But I think it's about being mindful of the needs of a local space and addressing those direct needs, not only of a property, but of the tenants and of the community and being in touch with the locale enough to address those needs in a direct way. And I kind of partner it with this notion of tactical urbanism, which is approaching these problems and trying to conceive of low budget methods for mm -hmm. direct solutions, rather than trying to make everything a big construction or redevelopment project with a fundraising campaign, what are some of the small things we can do as neighbors together with our own resources to address our direct needs? Sure. I think that's at the heart of Neighborland. Yeah, it was interesting as you were just talking there, like one of the things we talk a lot about is the disruption. So when we go on our daily routines, like when I drive home to work every day or like I'm riding around my neighborhood, I notice things, like we notice things. We know when a neighbor hasn't been home for a couple of days. We know when a yard is starting not to get mowed. We see the trash piling up in certain corners and we, so we see those things. And then when somebody disrupts what we're getting used to, it begins to challenge us and to, to think about different things. And so we use that both into help, trying to help people be aware of what's changing. What, what do they notice? What's changing? Like the art aspect, like if when somebody drives by, like it captivates you. But also thinking in terms of if you want to be a part, be a better neighbor, or you want to be a part of the solution or do the things that are disruptive, that are small, because it doesn't matter whether you do a million dollar project or a job that takes 30 minutes, you know, when the normal flow of things are disruptive. You can do a lot with a little and make okay. a big difference in people's personal lives just with simple acts that show that you care. 
over 70% of the projects we do in a year are done without any financial resources. It's somebody showing up with a mower and mowing the grass, which uh, took 30 to 45 minutes and, and just pushing the lawnmower down the street. Uh, it's true. It's like shoveling snow, raking leaves, taking up trash. Any of these things are within the reach of any of us. It's just a matter of recognizing that we all have these obstacles that we're trying to overcome. We all have these needs. We all have problems. In spite of that, we all still also have the opportunity to help one another along in small ways. And those small ways can make a big difference in my experience. And the flip side of it is, you know, in dealing with an issue like mental illness or depression, my wife Kara and I have both talked about how if you're feeling down and out, if you just like go out and do something for somebody else, it's like medicine, essentially. It makes you feel better. You kind of get out of your own head and your own dark hole and uh, consider that maybe you don't have it so bad if you maybe go out and experience some of the needs other people are dealing with on a daily basis. How has, in the last couple of years in doing these mural projects, how have they impacted you or your family um, as you've been working on this and working on neighborhood development, using art with, very purposeful and intentionally, how have you experienced transformation or are there, is there a specific story that you can, that you can share? Like, what are you learning about community by doing this? Honestly, at this point, I feel like it doesn't matter what you do. We all kind of have our own toolbox of things that are within our reach. And just to be mindful that, uh, you know, we kind of have this imbalance, I believe, in our culture that we nurture the aspirations of the individual at no cost, while oftentimes neglecting a holistic view of community and culture. You know, this since the beginning of Western culture, essentially, and imperialism is about domination and, you know, taking everything for all that it's worth. And there's a deep cost to that, and I think that we're experiencing that now, mm. that perhaps the experience of modern culture isn't fulfilling, and that's at the root of a lot of these social problems. So at what point do we kind of reinvestigate what is important and what does it mean to be a human being you can address the political genre you can address the economy you can make the argument that perhaps our capitalist system isn't designed to nurture community and a holistic health because it depends on one another competing against one another and mm. undercutting one another so Art, for me, has a way of just setting this stage where we can ask these questions of each other. It's not like I have these answers that I'm trying to tell people with a painting. Yeah. It's that I recognize the need to address a lot of problems and a very tangled web of social issues. And I believe that we can come together peacefully here to maybe sort some of these things out to try to move forward. It's a setting. Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself trying to trying to tell a story or tell a message through your, through your work or asking questions through your work? I do both. Yeah. I don't have a concrete narrative that I'm trying to communicate. I'm just kind of leading people down this path that I've 
gone down to make some of these discoveries, essentially. And it's tied with art history and folklore and political history. And, you know, public art is right there in, in all of that as a signpost of contemporary culture. And I believe its presence is greater than ever and that the the movement of mural painting and public art and graffiti, I believe, is the greatest art movement in human history. It's just that we're in it right now, so we don't see it in context relative to other movements throughout art history. Very interesting. You talk about this idea of cultural organizing. Uh, what is cultural organizing? Essentially organizing the zeitgeist of the times. Like, what does it... What does it mean to be a community, to be a neighbor? We don't decide that we're going to be a community just by living beside each other and saying we're a community. Yeah. Our community is defined through our shared experiences and our perceptions of one another and the network of relationships that we are continually challenged with on a daily mm -hmm. basis. You never figure it out, I don't believe. That's why we're always asking the questions, because you're never going to get there. It's like peace of mind. Yeah. You know, It's always... It's always right out there. But if we don't continue to be mindful of those needs and continue to work towards them, then we just backslide into this uh, cliche of being 20 years behind the times in this community. When you, you, know, you say public art and mural painting is this new thing, only in Fort Wayne. Sure, right? sure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I was hoping you would, would communicate is this idea of like, it's, it's great that, that, that our community is starting to embrace these these really somewhat abstract in a very conservative environment that have been around for a long time, but they're, they're really starting to create conversation in yeah. these points of connection. It's like the notion of nurturing local business owners and not just giving tax abatements to corporations. Mm. It's a harebrained idea, but it actually works. It's a bit counterculture, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, curious, among the art community, because you're a member of that, how does the art community or does the art community kind of work like a neighborhood? Like if you imagine if there's 50 artists in the community that are making a living at this, does, how does there's that not. community? All right. <laughs> that would be an imagination. No, there's a lot of people with a lot of different ideas about what should the art community be and how do we organize that. And it's a reflection of the entire culture as a whole, whether it's political or economic. We all have different ideas about what's going to make it work and what's important. And it, it's a small scene, honestly. You're talking about 50 people making a living. It's like 50 people total is more like it when you go to gallery shows and you know all the painters. And now a lot of young people want to start painting murals because it's hot and there's some money there to be made. Mm -hmm. But um, you got to take your licks as far as paying your dues and learning process and building up a body of work if you want people to trust you to produce public work. And you got to be mindful of the message that you're sending with that work. And I think, I, I wish that the art community felt more like a neighborhood, but we have to overcome the same basic obstacles that we do as human beings, which is our insecurities and our, um, our expectations. You know, it's blowing up right now and public art is hot, but that doesn't mean that you can have the expectation that there are, the, there are these jobs sure. out there. I've been out of school for 15 years and I've been painting for 20 years and paying off student loans for 15 years and I just started making a living as an artist last year. 
Yeah. So that's the reality. Give it away for 10 years and good luck. Interesting. It's sad but true. We live in a small town, and it, the benefit of that is that it's not a concentrated, like, dense scene. Yeah. There are plenty of opportunities. You just have to make the most of those opportunities and continue working and continue working. It's like community work or activism or any other public service. You need to abandon the notion of rewards and just decide that this is what makes you feel okay about being a human being and you devote your life to it, possibly for marginal gains. I think that's a really, really important part, this idea that to invest in things that are countercultural or important for the for community or building community, they're often unrewarded and they have to be personally motivated and, and personally driven for. Like this comes out of a deep, deep longing for creating the community that uh, that we wanted. You're quoted in a in a recent article uh, this idea that my basic thesis is that we uh, that we make the world and it's our responsibility to define our experience. And if you don't like the way things are you have to work hard to change them. And I think that lines up exactly with what you're saying. That's why I get up every morning, basically because I feel a personal responsibility to do something about the things that are driving me insane. And not to mention the fact of being a parent and having three children and feeling even more of a responsibility to lay the groundwork for some positive change in the world because of the distaste that I have for aspects of co contemporary culture. Yeah. As we work to wrap up this uh, interview, uh, as an artist and as an individual, um, approaching this idea of neighboring a little bit differently than maybe the traditional way that we think of being a neighbor in a, in a residential context, what do you, what, what is a good neighbor to you? I guess someone that cares enough to, um, have a defined enough perception to be able to address the basic needs of the people around you to to care enough to like take the time to get to know one or another enough that we can look out for one another for the long haul you have a sense of security in your heart when you experience something like that that's pretty priceless like even if you never came over and mowed the lawn or whatever the fact that i know that you're that kind of person changes my entire living experience rather than the guy who wanna, you know, just throws beer cans over the fence or something. Yeah. You know, there's a whole spectrum of neighboring, yeah. whether it's urban or yeah. rural. And uh, I think it just comes down to like basic human concern to know that there's more than just you and your home going on out there and that uh, you can get a lot out of a little bit. Yeah, by owning, Owning what you need to own yourself, but then owning a little bit extra for that community. I don't even know you how you explain it. it. The proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Go do something good and feel the feeling, and then you'll be sold. Yeah. Well, Jared, thanks for the time today. Thanks Thank for you. sharing your, your thoughts. The work and the conversation and the, the thought behind it is really inspiring um, to me to think about how we build communities in different ways or how... how there's a different different perspectives in how we take ownership and how we how we really contribute to creating the communities that we want, and uh, I think art is is such an important part of that. And I'm grateful that you're sharing your gifts in this way. Thanks for recognizing it. Yeah. Uh, 
Thanks for, for tuning in to Neighboring. Uh, this is a 12-part series in which we talk to folks like Jared and a lot of individuals from different backgrounds to just kind of hear their take and where they're at today. Uh, one of the things that, that I appreciate about the conversations with, with Jared is the fact that we often have more questions than we have answers for, and I think that's critical for this whole thing or something we're picking up on the 12-part series. Tune in to the next episode uh, next week. Thanks for watching. Neighboring is presented by NeighborLink, a volunteer organization that connects vulnerable neighbors with neighbors looking to help. Neighboring is produced by Punch Films, a national full-service video production company based in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Creative direction by Lindy Bazil and Lindsay Ray Porter. Music is by Metavari off their recent album, Symmetry. Be sure to visit neighboringpodcast.com to watch or listen to other episodes.